Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Mint Door Podcast. My name is Dr. Laura Schwinn. And I am Dr. Karen Finder. I almost forgot who I was. <laughs> <laughs> and we are happy to have with us today, Dr. Taryn McCarthy, who Thank is you. a business prosperity coach, a motivational speaker, and podcast host of the Business of Happiness podcast. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Karen. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Thanks always, Laura and Karen. I'm so grateful and so excited to be chatting with you today. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't wait to get into things with you, but you are are also an orthodontist and co-owner of Membrace Orthodontics in Maine. Yes. Which is somewhere I want to visit. So I'm going to have to come visit you someday. I already told you, Laura, you're welcome anytime, anytime. (laughs) And you, your passion is empowering business leaders and leaders of their own dreams to strive for inner fulfillment. I love that. And redefine success and happiness on their own terms. You don't hear that much in the business world of uh, dentistry. So thank you. That's fantastic. I'm excited to get into this today. Wonderful. Yeah, that is my passion. You know, I've been all the things in my life. I've been so fortunate to have enormous success in dentistry and orthodontics in my practice. And I've had everything that society says should bring us enormous success. Society's definition of success. Mm -hmm. I've chased that algorithm that we thought we should follow to be quote unquote successful. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't what brought me joy. It wasn't that what brought me happiness. We, I learned through that journey that all those extrinsic motivators, all those things outside of us that we think will bring us happiness Mm -hmm. don't. And this is my mission is to help specifically women to discover that they have the power inside themselves to find happiness. And that when you tap into that resource, success just flows to you. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I, I mean, I, I appreciate coming on to your podcast because I think that this is a message that women, especially in dentistry, need to hear. Mm -hmm. So many of us live with this shadow of shame or imposter syndrome or Mm -hmm. fear, Mm -hmm. especially those of us who have achieved a certain level of success. You know, I speak to many women who have the fancy house, have the great practice, have, you know, a marriage, a solid marriage, or at least a marriage maybe that they're not super passionate about, but one that seems like there's nothing wrong with it. And they just feel so bereft of happiness themselves. And under that lies a lot of shame. You know, if I can do all this, why am I not happy? If Mm -hmm. I have so much around me, why can't I find happiness? And many women feel like they're broken, like there's something wrong with them. And that at least that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. I definitely felt like there was something wrong with me that I couldn't feel that enormous happiness despite all the wealth and the opportunity and having literally achieved my dreams. Mm -hmm. And what I want so badly to let women know is that you are not broken, Mm -hmm. that there is nothing 
wrong with you. You don't have to lose 10 pounds to feel better. You don't have to grow your practice to feel better. You don't have to find something, the bigger, better thing out there to feel better, that you have that power within yourself mm-hmm. and that just having the resource to find it and to discover that power within you is enormously liberating. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't oh it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when you say that, it reminds me of something that I've heard you say before. It's a saying of yours, I think, that it's why it's all about you and it's never about you. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Because that popped up then. This is something that I remember you said. Absolutely. I love to say that it's all about you and it's never about you. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll start with that second part if it is it's never about you. We learn that in our practice. You know, when you have a parent or patient, I speak I say parent because of my orthodontic practice. So usually it's the parents who are complaining or frustrated or angry or when someone cuts you off in traffic or when your kid comes home and has a big argument with you, we tend to attach those external circumstances onto us and immediately go to a place of what did I do wrong, especially as a business owner. You know, I find this when a parent of a patient comes and says, you know, you didn't tell me this and you didn't explain this. And now we have this big problem. And there's a lot of blame and anger that we take on. And what I love to remember is it's never about me. It's never about me. People's actions outside of me is usually a story that they're coming with. They've had a tough day. They've had a difficult situation in their life that they're challenged with. And they're just acting out of fear and anger and defensiveness. They're just looking for some sort of control, some sort of opportunity to feel a little bit better. You know, when we look at that vibrational layers of emotion, those low emotions, the lowest level are the ones of, you know, victimization. And to feel a little bit better than victim, we start to get to anger. And anger feels a little bit better than victimization. And blame feels a little bit better than depression. So Mm -hmm. those emotions are just them trying to reach for a better feeling. Mm -hmm. It's not about us. It's very rarely about us. So there's some freedom in there. And then the first part of it is it's all about you, meaning you have the responsibility of your own emotions and thought processes. It's all about you. It's all about how you rise to that occasion in that situation and not allow this external circumstance to attach to your authenticity, to your integrity to your worthiness. You know, I think so many of us grow up thinking that we're not worthy of mm-hmm. ownership of a practice or the wealth that we can accumulate in dentistry. Or sometimes we find some amazing opportunity that we've manifested because one thing I know about women in dentistry is we know how to show up. We sometimes are the hardest working person in the room. And if you do that consistently, things come to you. Mm-hmm. There, you see results. Yeah. And so sometimes we get those results and we think, oh, I'm not worthy of this. I had this happen, Karen, um, early, probably about two years into my practice. I started my mm-hmm. practice from scratch start. I had not one patient walk in the door on day one. And 
So it was laborious. You know, there's a lot of hard work to get this thing off the ground. And the first paycheck, not the first paycheck, but the first bonus check I wrote for myself. It was amazing. I mean, I finally had some money I could give back to myself after putting in, I think about a year and a half I was into it before I could give myself that bonus check. Mm-hmm. And that bonus check, I didn't cash for three months. Wow. For three months, that check sat on my desk until my partner said to me, Taryn, I noticed you didn't cash. What's going on? And I discovered there was a little bit of worthiness in there where I had told myself a story that I was enjoying this too much, mm-hmm. that I needed to suffer a little bit in order <laughs> to get that money to cash that check. It needed to be harder. It needed to feel more uncomfortable. It was an old story that I had attached to myself that wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that first part, it's all about you. It's all about what stories have you attached to yourself mm-hmm. that are keeping you from feeling happy from feeling joy, from feeling worthiness, from feeling deservant of the beauty and the abundance that's in your life. Mm. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) When you talk about those things that you attach to yourself, I can't help but visualize like having a Velcro shirt and having things attached and how if we keep attaching, how heavy that shirt becomes. And that if we can detach or even take off that darn Velcro shirt, how light it we, we would be. How wonderful would that be? I just <laughs> had this vision of taking off all your clothes and running through, right? And being on a mountaintop. I, it's true. We attach so much of what doesn't belong to us mm-hmm. onto us. And it starts when we're, you know, very little. It's so funny. I was talking to someone the other day and she said, you know, I've, I had a great childhood. I don't you know, everything I ever needed. Why do I have all these old weird stories attached to me? Because I had all that I needed as a child. And I think that's another fallacy that you had to have some kind of a traumatic experience in your childhood that gives you permission to struggle with happiness now. I think there's a shame for a lot of people there too, who had great parenting and a happy Mm -hmm. home is Mm -hmm. that their struggle with why can't I find that happiness now when I had everything that I needed. And, you know, that's another aspect of this I'm hoping to expose is Mm -hmm. to allow people to see that just because you didn't have something society deemed as enormously traumatic doesn't mean you didn't attach a traumatic story to your identity along the way. And, and it's beautiful to look at it that way because it's never about you. It might've been a little boy in fourth grade who was just looking for a laugh and said, you know, you're fat or you have ugly hair. What a, a sweet woman I was talking to the other day. She said, I always felt ugly my whole life. And I'm talking to someone who's in her sixties. Mm. I said, you're beautiful, Joyce. What do you mean? She said in fourth grade, a little boy took my long ponytail and said, this hair would look great on a horse. Can you imagine? It's not about her. Right. That story was never hers, Mm -mm. but she took it and attached it like that Velcro onto her shirt that you were just talking about, Laura, and wore it for 60 years. And that's where the it's all about you part is. We get Mm to find that story, uncover it, recognize that it's not ours, and then let it go. And 
change our perspective of what actually happened in that moment and get to learn and grow from it. And I think this has been so important for me, especially in business ownership and as leader, as a leader of a team, because mm-hmm. I realized so many times my actions were clouded by stories that I was attaching to myself mm-hmm. that never belonged to me mm-hmm. and limiting my ability to stand as a true leader, not just mm-hmm. of my team and of my business, but of my dreams and of my happiness. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It makes me think of something I just saw from Mel Robbins, something about um, it's more important to stand in your truth than to want to be liked. Beautiful. <laughs> I, I just thought that was, you know, standing in your truth. That's a beautiful. It's so beautiful. And, and it's interesting because that's the part that's most elusive. Mm-hmm. What is my truth? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we haven't taken the time to look for it, right. you know, and, and once again, I find this in our profession and Karen, I don't know if you agree with me on this. I think you and I had a conversation about this where we've just put our foot, one foot in front of the other all the way along. And mm-hmm. sometimes we wake up and we think, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Did I choose any of this? Mm-hmm. And often mm-hmm. we kind of just did it blindly. Like, tell me what to do. I want to be a dentist. Just tell me where to go, what to do. And then you show up and you do the next thing. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of time taken to reflect what matters to me. Mm-hmm. What is my truth? What is my definition of success? What mm-hmm. is my definition of happiness? Mm-hmm. Or did I just attach someone else's yep. to, my, to my story? Oh. It's probably so true that that's what we have done. Because those questions that you ask, they should, we should be thinking about these things before we even decide that we want to be a doctor of medicine or dentistry or whatever it is. That's the point you need to ask those questions right. rather than, which I know I'm in that situation that I only asked myself those questions once I was way far in it. Like even once I'd left, like yeah. it was too late. Mm-hmm. Well, see, this is where I also hope that it's never too late <laughs> because we get to choose again. And the thing is there was a passion there. Mm-hmm. There was something exciting when you were younger that sparked this excitement about dentistry. I mean, even for those of us who just put one foot in the in front of the other, you know, I think back to when I fell in love with dentistry, it was the excitement of artistry and science bringing together and the promise of leadership and entrepreneurship and giving back and putting smiles on children's faces. All those things sparked a passion in me. Mm-hmm. But what gets clouded Beyond that is the expectations of others that we perceive. Mm -hmm. Once again, it's not about you. We think people expect things of us. And I think, um, who is it? Um, Oh, his name will come to me in a minute. He says, we worry so much about what I think you think I think you're thinking. (laughs) You know, craziness. We get so wrapped up in what we think other people are expecting of us and that clouds that dream. So sometimes all it takes is just stripping back a little bit and seeing, oh yeah, what was that resonance, that passion that I had? What was that? Go back to that. Mm -hmm. Because what I find with men and women in dentistry is so many of us have spent millions of dollars on our education. Mm -hmm. 
decades on our expertise. And to just throw it all away one day is not always an option, but there's a way to reincorporate those passions back into your craft and rediscover who you are. So I don't think it's ever too late to get in touch with who you are. In fact, I think it's almost imperative to go through that journey, to mm-hmm. feel what it's like to be in a place where, oh, this isn't it. Let me try this. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes it takes those back and forth steps, but there's a magic in there and there's opportunity when we can look at what was that passion that sparked in me at the, you know, at the very beginning. I, you know, I love this. This is such an overused term and phrase. But did you know that namaste means the beauty in me sees the beauty in you? So when we have a passion, when we have somebody who we're drawn to, it's reflecting something back to us, a truth mm-hmm. inside of us. You know, we don't gel with everybody. We don't jive with everybody. But when we do, when we see that actress or that book or that beautiful painting or that profession that we get so excited about, it's showing us something inside of us, a possibility, a dream, a passion. And I think that still lingers in us throughout our lifetime. But giving ourselves the permission to see it as our truth is everything because sometimes it's so clouded by these misconceptions of who we are. And once again, going back to that deservancy, going back to that worthiness, we don't always allow ourselves that opportunity to reach for that beautiful thing we admire in someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is something that you touched on is that those, those moments, we, we need those moments. You know, we don't, we wouldn't know happiness if we didn't know sadness. We wouldn't know comfort if we didn't know discomfort, right? And so those those challenges, those moments, those are good times to reflect and say, "Oh, what what can I do different here?" This uh, I'm in a place where I feel I feel a little discomfort. What what do I need to change? So I love that. I, you I, say that. Yeah, yeah, thank you get, for bringing that up. I get that a lot. You know, people think that happiness has to be joy and bubbly all the time, but you're absolutely right. It can't because then we don't have the contrast. Mm -hmm. We have to have the contrast and the contrast can be a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. It can be a gift. It can be the gift of what, Oh, now I see what I didn't want. Now Mm -hmm. I see I have a more clarity of the direction I'm going in when I see what I didn't want. You know, I liken it to a buffet. When you go to a buffet, we have all these wonderful options and I can taste some of this and I can taste some of this, but we don't punish ourselves when we taste something we don't like. We just think, oh, that's one I don't like. We Mm -hmm. put it down. We take the lesson and we leave the pain. We leave the attachment to our identity. We can just know, oh, I don't like this one. Now Mm -hmm. I can move on to the next. Mm -hmm. And what a great way to live our lives if we give ourselves permission. Imagine if we could go through life and think, oh, I'm going to try this one out. Oh, not so much, but maybe if I put some sauce on it, then I'd like it. Oh, that's different. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if I tried the one to the left of it, or maybe I identified coconut. I love the coconut in it. So what else has coconut in it Mm -hmm. and not make it all about ourselves? We don't, 
ask ourselves the questions, why don't I like this one? Everyone else likes this one. It seems like the most popular dish on the plate. And we start berating ourselves and feeling, what's wrong with me that I don't like this one? Mm-hmm. We don't give ourselves permission to honor that truth that you were talking about that Mel Robbins talks about. So that's the part that I would love for, especially for women, because I am a woman and that's who I speak to, but I think men as well, mm-hmm. to just honor their truth, mm-hmm. to give themselves permission to be whole in their truth mm-hmm. and not have to allow themselves to accept the judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to remember the buffet from, from now on. Thank you for that analogy. <laughs> it's a good conversation to have with, with kids, the buffet conversation. That's a, that's an excellent. So thank you for the buffet. There you go. <laughs> you know, happiness leads me to the thought of, um, I know you work mostly with women and as women, we most of us are natural born nurturers. We want to nurture, we want to give. And then on top of that, you get the women that go into the healing professions where we give and we nurture. And it can almost feel selfish to want to be happy ourselves. So how, how do you reconcile that? I love that question because I think that is such a deep core to so many women in the health professions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the magic of it is we're drawn to these professions because of that desire, that love. Mm-hmm. So first, just honor that. How beautiful is that? I mean, to have a passion for giving to others. You know, I think we don't take enough time to just honor that beauty in ourselves. We admire it in others, but we forget to admire it and love it in ourselves. That self-compassion, self-love is so important to happiness. And you're right. It begins to feel a little, wait a minute, is this selfish? Mm-hmm. I have another visual for you. Picture, oh my gosh, we're doing a lot of these Events. Uh, maybe I, I don't know why I'm having all these images of events of the buffet table. And now here's another one that could be at a, a wedding or something. But picture, you know, I, I don't know if they still do this at weddings, those towers of um, of champagne glasses that flow into mm-hmm. each other, right? Mm-hmm. And then they pour the champagne into the very top champagne glass. And that top champagne glass gets overfilled. And as it's overfilled, it overflows into the next layer. And then those champagne glasses can get filled up and then they overflow into the next and into the next and into the next. Mm-hmm. And, you know, imagining ourselves as that top champagne glass and allowing us to be filled with what we need, that overfill of joy. How beautiful is that to imagine being able to serve everyone else on our team, mm-hmm. in our family, in our community in that way, and mm-hmm. see that we can't do it from an empty glass. Mm-hmm. We can't fill everybody else's glasses without filling our own. And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? We keep exhaling, exhaling, exhaling for everyone else, giving, 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 and we lose sight of the fact that we could give so much more 
when we allow ourselves to take a nice deep inhale, when we allow ourselves to fill up with that beautiful champagne so that we can overflow to others. See, we got it wrong. We thought we had to deplete ourselves and give ourselves away, but we can be so much more impactful. So that beautiful desire of giving to others can be even greater achieved when we give back to ourselves first. Mm -hmm. I love that analogy of all those champagne glasses. The slightly obsessive part of me worries that in a champagne tower like that, the glasses are going to be sticky when you pick them up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that goes through my mind. I'm like, well, they're going to be sticky because champagne's run over them. But there are <laughs> sticky points in life, aren't there? And like you said, that there are you know glasses that may be empty. Mm-hmm. And you know, the problem that would be people listening to this who maybe at the moment feel like they are someone who is holding an empty glass. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered if, Taryn, if there was a time that maybe when you felt like your glass was empty, or maybe you felt a little bit broken. And then if there was, like, what did you learn from that point to be able to make the difference and make the changes? Oh, yes. This is, you know, I'm speaking from, about this from enormous experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly how I lived the majority of my life is feeling the need to give and give and give to complete depletion. And it was really interesting when I was doing this, when I was pregnant. So with my two oldest, I remember, so that was my, oh my gosh, my oldest is turning 16 tomorrow, by the way, Uh which is so exciting. It's so cool to imagine having been in labor for the first time 16 years ago today. (laughs) But, um, you know, and, and, and here's the interesting thing. I'll start the story here. So we're recording this episode today on the 31st of March. My oldest was due late May and my water broke on the 31st of March. And Mm -hmm. it broke because I was washing my body in cortisol, Mm -hmm. stress, overwhelm, because I was giving, 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 giving to everyone else. I was Mm -hmm. running my practice at the time obsessively, insanely so depleted that my body couldn't hold on to this baby anymore. And I was completely ignorant to it. Mm -hmm. I had done what so many of us do is completely cut my body off from my head. I was living all in my head and had forgotten how to feel emotions my body itself, you know, that feeling when you get to the end of the day and you you realize, oh my gosh, I need to pee. And I haven't allowed myself to pee all day. I just forgot. And you're at the bursting point because you've ignored your body the whole day. (laughs) I'd done that throughout my pregnancy. And here I was almost two months premature and in active labor. And so delivered my, my oldest very, very early and was back to work before their due date. Yeah. Wow. So I know from experience what it's like to give and Mm -hmm. beyond there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. And that, Karen, was my biggest lesson. And, you know, it's interesting when you said, I worry that those glasses will be sticky. I've learned to love the stickiness. Mm -hmm. I've learned to pick up the glass and feel the stickiness and feel that old thought of being worried about sticky and then loving it and remembering what the sticky means. The sticky reminds me of the joy. 
the sticky mm-hmm. reminds me of our humanity. You know, even in that moment when I had put my baby at risk and that, those were the stories I was telling myself, you know, I was not only beating myself up to give to my patients and my team members and the rest of my family, but then when I realized what my body had done to put myself in premature labor, oh my gosh, the guilt that piled on there. And it took me years to undo those old stories, but that was the beginning of my learning. So would I change anything? No. Even those hard times, because those hard times, just as you were saying, Laura, were my contrast that allowed me to see the truth, allowed me to see this is not what I want for me and how ineffective I am when I deplete myself. I can't be my best for my baby. I can't be my best for my patients if I don't take care of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, if I lose myself in the meantime, there'll be nothing left to serve them. And we tell ourselves that we need to keep driving harder, 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 and we're good at it. Mm-hmm. Very good at it. We cultivate the skill and we take a certain amount of pride in it. Mm-hmm. You know, we wear that as as a badge of honor a little bit. And that's another thing that I would love us to start changing our language around in terms of honoring women who've torn themselves down Mm -hmm. instead of holding them and letting them know that they're safe and that they are not broken. Mm -hmm. They're just going through this journey, figuring out who they are as well. And they're completely deserving of taking care and loving themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's I love that. (laughs) So such a joyous time now, your oldest turning 16, aside from maybe driving, that might be a little scary, but, um, (laughs) and you're the host of the business of happiness podcast. You are happy and joyful. And I want to know if, if you just wake up happy every day. That's a great question. And the truth is I don't. It's something I intentionally practice on a daily basis. Now, I've gotten very good at turning it around. Mm -hmm. I've gotten much better at it. And that's what practicing does, right? It allows us those days that were weeks, months, and probably years of unhappiness that it took a lot of work to try to work through now can be minutes because I have intentional practices. But I'll tell you, Laura, I don't skip a day of my practice. Mm -hmm. I don't skip a day. And there are mornings I wake up and I think, so one of my practices is a gratitude practice first thing. Mm -hmm. And there'll be a day where I wake up and I think, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And the first step is awareness. I just had that thought because we do not have to own our thoughts ever. Mm -hmm. We are not our thoughts. We don't have to believe our thoughts. So I hear that first thought because some of them are just so entrenched in us. There's such old habit patterns. When you wake up, this is so hard. And I can hear that and separate myself from that. And I just think, oh, Taryn, you need your gratitude practice. And sometimes gratitude is for this bed that I can return to tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes it's just that much. I can't reach for much more than that. But that starts the momentum 
of something a little bit better, a better feeling thought. And then I think, oh, yes. And these sheets were just washed yesterday. Oh, and thank you so much to my husband for throwing them in the wash. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for my husband. Thank you that we get to connect tonight. Thank you that he lets me live. I mean, I go, here we go. I'm suddenly rampaging. You start it, but it's because I've practiced it every single day of my life. And I rely on it because happiness matters so much to me. And, you know, I do want to just say this about the word happiness. I chose happiness to talk about because we all can imagine what it is, but it can, it can spark a lot of fear in people. The word happiness is intimidating. You know, I get that a lot from people is the the business of happiness. What is happiness? And is happiness really what we're looking for? So when you hear that word, what does it mean to you? You know, what is that? Does it mean joy? Does it mean peace? Does it mean satisfaction? Does it mean mm-hmm. gratitude? Whatever that word means to you is what matters. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean that I'm bouncing on rainbows every day. I love to, and I seek that (laughs) and I enjoy that and I can get there pretty quickly, but I don't wake up with it every morning or just find it in every situation, but I reach for it always. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you could give our listeners one more tip, like when something hits you smack in the middle of the day that jolts you out of your happiness, do you have a, a, a practice? Yes. Oh, I have so many. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you one of my my latest favorites. It's called the glass elevator. So I'm re- I'm thinking of the glass elevator just because we were just talking about those emotions. So if we imagine our emotions on a scale, imagine that the very lowest emotions are those terrible ones, the ones you wake up with where you feel just really down, or something hits you in the middle of the day and you feel you hear blame or anger, or resentment, or judgment or feeling any of those attaching to you. And imagine climbing up that scale of emotions is maybe in the middle somewhere is just kind of numb, like not not really feeling anything, not happy or sad, just kind of even keel. Mm -hmm. And then as we climb up, there's a little bit of hope is next or sometimes a little bit of optimism. And then as we climb higher and higher, we start feeling those elation and empowerment and love and eagerness and excitement. Like those are the very high level ones. So imagine with me this scale of emotions in a vertical pattern. Now imagine we all live in a glass elevator and the glass elevator, like Charlie and the chocolate factory, you can see above and below and out all the sides. And when we're down low on level three, we're down in that icky feeling. And so I'm picturing for a moment having an argument with my teenage teenage son, which happens on the regular. <laughs> One of those that can trigger shame and guilt in me in a heartbeat. And so we're sitting here in this level three, low emotion in my elevator. And at any moment, I can choose to ride that elevator up. And when I do... I get new perspective. So imagine that glass elevator just going up, 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 up into the above the clouds and being able to see not just distance, but time Hmm. and perspective, new perspective. Now I can see, oh, wait a minute. He's just 14 today and he's not going to be 14 forever. 
oh yeah, he just had a really bad day at school. And this moment is just going to last this much. Look, into the future, we can have a happy relationship together. There's that possibility. And I can see I just had a rough day. Maybe I started this conversation a little tricky. But do you see we get to take a new perspective? And I literally do this, Laura. If I find myself and I catch myself with that first step of awareness where I'm realizing, oh, this is not happy. This doesn't feel good. I'm beginning to get angry. I feel that shallow breathing. I feel my pulse quickening. I think I literally, I press the button because levity always helps. Boop. And I literally rise. I feel my body getting taller and I rise up and I just look for new perspective. Let's say it's a patient, an angry parent. Oh, maybe they just had a bad day driving here. Traffic is really hard. Or maybe they just had a lot of stress. They had to cancel their work pattern and pick their kid up from school. And this interrupted their day. Oh, I just get a new perspective. And perspective always helps. Because when we are in the thick of it, we have the blinders on. And that's where those old negative thought patterns attach to us. And we start getting stuck in those old habits that we just are so used to that we've practiced for so many years. But it any moment in time, we get to ride that glass elevator up and just get a new perspective. And one of the greatest perspectives is it's all about me and it's never about me. Always, <laughs> always. And it's true for all of us. <laughs> it's true for every single one of us. So we've all been in that parent's position. We've all been a 14-year-old who had a tough day at school. We're all in the same boat. So we all deserve the opportunity for happiness. So it doesn't make me separate or elitist or different or more unique or more deservant. We're all like this. We've all had these experiences, but I just get the opportunity to get that perspective in that moment and pull myself out of that low vibration. Mm -hmm. Glass elevator. I'm thinking of my right now. Ding. There you go. <laughs> Anytime you can just do it. And, it. and you feel ridiculous doing it, which gives you a little smile, which mm -hmm. gives you a little bit of a, oh, and you do feel a little ridiculous being down that low, you know, like, oh, there I was again. I was just mm -hmm. down low on one of those lower floors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, awesome. I, so many, so many visuals that I'm going to carry away today. Thank you so much. <laughs> so welcome. Oh, so just hearing you and and reading your posts and listening to some of your podcasts i know that you operate daily from a strong sense of your core values and yet this isn't something that we're taught in school or that is brought up a lot and i know kind of reestablishing our core values takes a little bit of homework it's not just something we can just think about and so um, I do know that you have a workbook that yes. you offer um, that helps people and helps them guide to start figuring out their core values. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how people would find that? Yes. Thank you so much for asking about that. I think that this helps many of us who are living in this very mental world, because when I first started doing this work, trying to understand myself better, I couldn't reach for the emotional the spiritual, the physical 
parts of me. I had a very hard time. I was living very in the mental space because I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I love this workbook because it starts us there with the things that we're good at Mm -hmm. as dentists. We're very good at doing a workbook, (laughs) answering questions, kind of working through a project. And so this workbook is the beginning of an uncovering of who you are and what matters to you and what happiness means to you. And it starts with our understanding of our core values. And, you know, it's interesting along this journey, I've noticed when I ask someone, what are your values? What are your core values? We all have high values when no one would say anything less, but we've not taken the time to sit and think about what those values are. And Karen, this speaks to what you were saying earlier is even when we're younger, when we're 18, 19 years old, we didn't take the time to sit and think what matters to me, not what matters to someone else or what, do, uh, what does society expect of me? What do my children think of, expect of me? But what matters to me? And so this workbook is an opportunity to start that journey of uncovering who you are, especially when you feel like you've been lost in this journey and maybe lost yourself along the way. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. So we'll make sure and put a link to that in our show notes so that people can find that workbook. Yes, absolutely. I gift it to all of your listeners because I think it's a great opportunity to start this journey. And and in that workbook, you'll also find um, access to human needs psychology identifies the six core human needs. And so understanding your patterns in your life, why you've done certain things in your life to fulfill those human needs that we all have and figuring out a new solution, a new vehicle for satisfying those human needs, but this time based on your core values, once you get a better understanding of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like it was a lot of work that went into that and create a resource such as that is is a big job. But tell us about what's coming up for you in the future and how our listeners will be able to get to know you better. Awesome. Thank you for asking. Yes. So it is, it's lots of fun. That workbook is an awesome starting point. And I love, I have a workshop that I run and it's a beautiful 10 week, eight weeks, and sometimes 10 week course starting up in July. It's called Radiance. And so it's a support around rediscovering that dynamism within you, rediscovering the power within you and tapping into what matters to you and what brings you joy and happiness so that you could start to apply that truth to your life. You know, sometimes we don't even realize the life that we've created for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what I truly believe in my core is that we get to create the life of our dreams and that each of us has that potential. And we're already creating our life. We're already creating our reality, but some of us just don't realize the power that we have in it. Mm -hmm. And so identifying the beautiful parts that you're reaching for, identifying what you're actually heading towards, and then giving you the tools to do so. And so that's what I do in this eight to 10 week course. It's called Radiance. And It's phenomenal. It's so exciting because it's not that I have all the answers. I actually don't. The truth is that each of us has the answers with inside of us. Mm -hmm. And it's an unlocking of that inner wisdom, of that greater intuition that we have within ourselves for the answers. 
So I love this course. It's my favorite thing to do. And Mm -hmm. I welcome anybody who's interested to please get in touch with me and they can reach me. I think you'll leave some of the, um, the links in the show notes of the episode, but you can always reach me at the business of happiness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Awesome. I just imagine that somebody coming to your course and the light is there and that as they go through your course, it just expands and they become more radiant. I just, it's just, thank you for that. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing to live a life of radiance? I mean, and I think so many of us think that's not options for us. That's not an opportunity for us that that's not the life that I am allowed to lead. But mm-hmm. the truth is that we can be even better for our patients, for our families, if we mm-hmm. give ourselves that permission to actually live a life of radiance. Mm-hmm. And how fun would that be to choose radiance off of the buffet table? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would taste divine. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this has been a wonderful, happy podcast. And uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom and insight with us and the world. We appreciate you so much, all you do. And um, like we said, we will include, include in our show notes all the links to the Business of Happiness and Dr. Karen, Taryn McCarthy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you for all you guys are doing. I really honor you. And I'm so excited for this great platform. You guys are doing amazing things. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. you. All right. We will see you guys on the next episode of the Mint Door Podcast. Take care. Bye.